Welcome to Alternative Perspectives, a podcast by the Center for Applied Law and Technology Research by the Vidhi Center for Legal Policy. Today we are talking about low code philosophy or a movement and an approach to technology where people look at certain applications and code the things that are boilerplate or repetitive so that these don't need to be coded always. We're going to look at the implications this might have for businesses, for employment and so on. So to speak more about low code, we have with us today Akshay Rangasai, who works at a company called AppSmith. Welcome, Akshay. Hey, Zai. Really happy to be here. Can you start by telling us what exactly low code is and what AppSmith does? Basically, like you mentioned, the philosophy where a lot of code, so usually when you build applications, you need to start from scratch. You need to build, write a lot of boilerplate to make the application serviceable. But with low code, what you eventually essentially have to do is just code the logic, spend more, more of your time thinking about your application and write very little code. So that, that part goes away. And that aim is to improve productivity and use your engineer's time. Engineer whoever is using their time better, more on what needs to be done than rewriting a lot of stuff. Oh, and, and yeah, AppSmith is an open source uh, low-code platform that developers all over, I think about 100 plus countries now use uh, to build internal tools for their companies. So which kinds of companies can use a product like AppSmith or use low-code in general? So any company that has a data source and needs to operate on that data source can use AppSmith or any low-code platform. So there's a concept called CRUD, especially when it comes to building applications. And, and I'll just talk about the developer-focused uh, low-code right now. So anything that requires create, read, update, and delete operations on a data source will need this sort of a low-code platform. So that's mostly, that's basically almost all companies in the world. So what are some examples of low-code that people might already be familiar with? So uh, I think the easiest example would be if you look at most of the websites and blogs on the world, they're built on top of something known as WordPress. And there's a competitor to WordPress called Webflow. So both can be considered low-code platforms because uh, when you're building the website, you're doing a lot of drag and drop. You're not really coding much of the website. So that, I think, is the most ubiquitously known example of low-code. And where do we draw the line? Is something like simpler language like Python relatively low-code to other languages? Or are there elements that would identify low-code from just you know improvements in technology that make it uh, easier for users? Yeah, so Python, for example, would not be low-code. It's more just a higher-level language. But the concept is similar. So... When you use some lower level language like C, C++, you have to essentially write a lot of boilerplate uh, that does basic things in terms of read and write and things like that. Python abstracts that away. But when you take that a step further, when you're talking at the application level, that's, that's when you see what low code, like from when you have to code everything and then you see the results to moving to something like a drag and drop is where you, you essentially see low code. I, I think the easiest way to check if something is low code or not low code is seeing how draggable and droppable the user interfaces are. And that I think would be a great point. Obviously there, there could be debate, uh, but I, if, if, if there's a lot of drag and drop involved that you would have had to code before in terms of positioning things or doing specific set of tasks in a workflow, then that would instantly, then, then you could definitely think of that as low code. I think that would be the place you should look at. 
what would you say are the implications for skills requirements for different companies if flow code were to start becoming more ubiquitous so i think how the to be honest how i would think about it is you will have a new market of users who will have to be trained on the low code platform itself the biggest example i can think of is so if you look at salesforce for example something not many people know salesforce is is a 100 billion plus dollar company that sells cloud software but most of their revenue comes from their low code platform where other users can build for salesforce users on their low code platform it's called the lightning platform they make over 6 billion dollars a year in revenue and if i'm bringing this up because if you look at job descriptions on linkedin you'll see that there are hundreds and thousands of jobs for salesforce lightning certified engineers so while loco removes the effort from let's say uh, if you take the case of appsmith we remove the a lot of front end engineering effort but at the same time as you go to an organization and see that scaling there are quirks in our platform that that make a workforce that knows absolute well also valuable so it, it, you will reduce dependency on one kind of skill and increase dependency on another type of skill and, and that's how i'd see that going right and pulling back a bit it's a common thing now to say that everyone should learn coding you also see that on television advertisements how uh, given that technology tends to abstract over time and things tend to become easier and not you don't need to code from scratch as much over time how important do you think is teaching everyone to code see i think learning to code has implications not just in terms of skill development is just about how you think about things algorithmically but like you said see i don't think learning to code is is compulsory and things get abstracted away but what helps is if you learn to code and and obviously it's it's not a catch all phrase right like you could be a data scientist and you still know to code you could be an app developer and still learn to code the only thing is even if you look at like like let's if we go back to the python versus c++ example if you look at most of the systems in the world like a lot of software is built on python but at the end of the day when you want really high performing systems at scale you will revert to c++ because that's the characteristics of the language python makes it easier but it comes at overhead with an overhead also so you have to think about skill development in coding also similarly it's always helpful to know how to code but again uh, you don't necessarily need to learn to code to survive as things get abstracted it it'll just make you better and go deeper into something right and to tie this up what do you think is the low code scenario like in india right now in the sense how many companies would you think as a proportion think of low code as a philosophy in the tech world at least i think uh, in the tech world especially in the startup and like digital first sort of companies low code is fairly prevalent if you look at most of the saas companies software as a service companies uh, they use webflow for example for their landing pages or hubspot which offers another low code tool to generate landing pages and a lot of companies use appsmith and retool at least the digital first companies are pretty friendly with it if you look at it services companies also they use something known as outsystems to build uh, dashboards and other tools for their service clients in india and that's again like a i would say second age low code platform uh, that's being used it's it's fairly prevalent in different ways and you don't even know you're using low code right now for example uh, but if you look at the older companies which are not very digitized then 
I would say there is absolutely no penetration of low code there. And if you were to go out on a limb and say which jobs were at risk due to low code, uh, what would you say? I would honestly say jobs like uh, data entry is more at risk because till now we've been focused on developers, but there is a set of low code tools for task automation. Like you can go check out UiPath that comes to mind. So that repeat that is basically eliminates labor for mundane uh, tasks. So these sort of manual tasks that are very repetitive in nature and have really common characteristics that get automated, I would say those jobs are at risk. But if you look at the sort of developer-friendly low-code tools, I don't think, at least at first-order level, I don't think there are any jobs at risk other than we could use whatever workforce we have, uh, I would say more efficiently considering the demand supply gap in engineers and tech, tech builders. Right, so it sounds like the standard process of automation. Anyway, thanks a lot, Akshay, for joining us today. Thanks, Ai. We have today joining us Siddhant Puri from Retool, which is a low-code startup. And we'll be asking him some questions today. Hi, Siddhant. Welcome to the podcast. So can you start by telling us what Retool does exactly and what your role at Retool is? So Retool is a way to build low-code applications for uh, enterprises. It's a way to essentially build internal tools that are very commonly used by almost all companies. Um, and we provide a drag and drop interface for you to build these tools 10x faster. And my role in the company is essentially, I take care of growth in India. So Retool is a company based out of San Francisco, but they have been uh, seeing a lot of growth with Indian startups. And uh, so I work with the companies based out of Bangalore and Gurgaon and Mumbai that are working uh, on building platforms and using retool to make uh, building their internal tools easier so these are essentially blocks of code for some standard things that every business uses such as say payments and people can customize them right yeah it's not like specific to a domain like payments it could be anything that an internal person in an organization could use to make their work possible essentially you can imagine a sales team needing a way to, you know, update a specific customer's record. You could imagine like a customer support team that needs to process a refund for a customer. Uh, Every business has custom needs that they need to build software for internally today. And so we make building those internal tools much faster. Right. So from what little I know, the usual thing a programmer would do in a situation like this where a standard sort of solution is required is say, look it up, go to GitHub, see if there's an already existing solution. How is Retool low code in the sense it's better than doing this? Yeah, so we have found that there are aspects of, there are common building blocks to these internal applications which essentially means building these applications on top of your database. In in programming language, we call it CRUD operations. So CRUD stands for create, read, update, and delete. These are very simple functions, which you don't need to like build. You need to not not build from scratch, which is what we believe. The, The reason we like think there's like a valuable business here is because we've noticed that almost all organizations are building these tools from scratch. And we can uh, make it easier for them to get to their solution faster. And 
it tends to be things that people don't enjoy building. Uh, they tend to be tedious back office requests. So you can imagine that someone in the finance team, for example, wants reports from your team uh, on a periodic basis, and you don't want to build a custom finance dashboard for that. Right? So there are a lot of these ad hoc requests that the engineering team keeps getting. And it tends to be uh, distracting from what they are trying to do for their end users. So they, you want them to focus on more on what their business is, is supposed to do versus building all the other aspects uh, to run that business, which tend to be necessary. You can't really have a, a company that doesn't build back office tools. And so that's like sort of the niche we fit in. Right, right. Uh, so uh, you've spoken about it a little, but for an organization that would use a solution like yours, what does it mean for their personnel requirements? Do they now require fewer engineers or require fewer time out of the engineers? And does this differ if this is, you know, a core tech company or some other type of company that also uh, happens to have like an engineering team? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So if I go like to uh, on a 10,000 foot view, today, most companies require some sort of internal software development. Uh, you can imagine like Coca-Cola also is, it's not a tech company, but it, it also has a fa like fairly large engineering team that is building software just for Coca-Cola users, right? Internal team members who need to maybe need software to look at their supply chain or need software in their warehouses or need software for their marketing teams to do their functions. So uh, it's not where we see it is that it's not specific to a tech company. It's it just anywhere that you have a software requirement for an internal business use case. Does, does that answer the question? Yeah, yeah. And so what does it then directly do about uh, if, if I'm thinking of hiring people, like my hiring requirements? So I think uh, it, it doesn't replace engineers. Uh, it essentially makes it so you can build more with less people. So maybe, you know, you hire a few people, but the main thing we're trying to like ship is speed. So we want to make sure that you're able to build your solution a lot faster. Retool is still like a platform that requires engineering. You can think of it as, you know, um, you want to build the, if you have like the, we're giving you like a foundation to a house uh, and then you can just, and you have the building blocks to like set up that house in the way you want to, right? Um, and so we are giving you like the tools to make that super efficient instead of you having to build every aspect of the, of the house and, every, and also building the foundation. We think businesses should focus on what is their core competency and um, not worry about building back office admin panels, which are like necessary, but... Uh, we want to like essentially make sure that we are take, we're doing the heavy lifting on that side. Would you say that this type of business is a general uh, trend, uh, say part of a general trend towards outsourcing tech functions for I, normal businesses? It's interesting. I think like this is already something a lot of large op corporations outsource to your Infosys or TCS or an Accenture. You could think about it us as making it even easier for you to like build your own internal apps without needing to outsource early, right? And also you could think about even if you do outsource and you decide to like get a team for it, 
you could imagine that that team is more efficient if they use any tool to build that internal tool. Right, right. All right. Is there anything else you want to add, Siddharth? I, I think in terms of like a general trend, uh, more and more companies are looking at low code as a way to solve internal business operations because, like I said, they tend to be very similar in nature. And like Retool, there are other like providers that essentially make it really simple to build these internal tools. You could consider Salesforce or ServiceNow and even some of the people in like RPA, which is, uh, you know, essentially trying to make business operations smoother through software. Right, right. Great. Thanks so much for coming onto the podcast, Siddharth. This was really interesting. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I've been able to glean three things from our conversations today. One, that low-code is a natural progression of the abstraction of technology with time, such that newer sets of users need to build less and less from scratch. Two, that low-code might endanger some repetitive jobs, but free up engineering time for other tasks, which opens up responsibility for the state for reskilling, re-employment, and social security. Three, that we probably don't need to teach everyone to code. Innovation is not the sole driver of the economy, and neither does it always come from the masses coding from scratch. <laughs>